Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Erling Haaland looking for this record here. Erling Haaland isn't like other humans. Uh, why not? While you normies are sipping your lattes and humming along to Coldplay, he gorges on chicken livers. You like schnitzel? Raps about world peace and wakes up to the Champions League anthem. Every single morning. As the lovable robo-viking smashes every record under the sun, welcome to the weird world of Erling Haaland. My name is Jack Rivlin. I'm joined as always by Zach Sweeney Lynch. Hello, Jack. Hello, May. And we are joined today, I'm delighted to say, by podcasting and journalism royalty, Mr. Lars Sivertson. Lars is the author of an excellent new book, Harland, The Incredible Story of the World's Greatest Striker. That's out now and the perfect Christmas present, I think we all agree, for the football fan. It's got some, some incredible dives into this strange man's character. That's Harlan, not, not Lars. Uh, and, and also, I, I picked, learned a lot about, about Norway in this book. Anyway, welcome, welcome, Lars. Thank you, thank you. I was you know, holding my tongue there to not do the cardinal sin of podcasting of speaking before you've... Uh, yeah, um, no, this is very, very kind. If you... There, there are bits in the books I, I think you haven't gotten to yet, but there's something about how... how um, how much the sort of Norwegian humility, how important that is. If you, if you introduce me as podcasting royalty, my instinct is to sort of hide under the table or something. You can't, you can't be saying <laughs> stuff like that. Come on. But um, no, thank you. That's very kind. Um, it was, it's an incredibly fun thing for me to do, to, to do the book, because as I've probably said too many times, I, I grew up in the same small town as Erling Haaland. So if you... Like me, you try to make a living writing and chatting about football, and then out of nothing, a scrawny kid from your village grows up to become one of the best players in the world. It's like, that is, yeah, that doesn't usually happen. Uh, so uh, so when I had a chance to do a book about him, that was really exciting and a privilege. And like you say, you've learned a lot about Norway, because like one of my favorite things about him is that he's someone who talks a lot about where he's from and is very happy to, you know, play it back to, to where he comes from and, and lift up people who's helped him along the way and this sort of thing. So it becomes then highly relevant to introduce the world to Jaren and to Brina, my, my beloved hometown. Uh, so there's quite a bit of that in the early stages of the book. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a book that's sort of the soulful descriptions of even ancient Norway at times. And yeah. then you're suddenly in the very like current flashy world of football stardom. 
Yeah, and I, and I do think what I hope I've done, I mean, others will have to judge whether I've succeeded or not, but I hope I sort of established that there are certain character traits that are are typical for, for the region and, and that kind of come from his background a little bit. And then we don't sort of hopefully manage to draw some lines about how that's affected his career later on. Uh, that's what we're, what we're aiming for, certainly. Yeah, Lars, that, that tees up a question I've been meaning to ask you. Is Erling Haaland weird or is he just <laughs> Norwegian? <laughs> He is he is a he is a peculiar character. He's very he's extremely driven, and I, I remember one of the interviews he's done, which I thought was very interesting, which we'll, we'll get to in a, in a minute. But he, he once spoke about how I have to be quite extreme at what I do. Like, there's one of the things if you just describe him on the pitch, he's extreme. He's extremely switched on. From a tactical point, you could say he's quite a limited player in some ways. He's one of those like who's extremely good at a very small number of things. They just happen to be like the things that let you score goals. Mm. Um, but, but he's extreme in that sense. He's extreme in pushing his body, and ex- he's extreme in looking for marginal gains, doing little things that can help him get better. And in his own words, he has to be quite extreme about relaxing as well, about switching off completely to recharge his his batteries. And I do wonder. I mean, you you guys did a great thread on Twitter about sort of slightly odd Erling Haaland moments. I think some of it comes from him just, yeah, taking things a bit far sometimes. And that's just, I think that's a big part of his character. When he's into something, he's fully into it. Mm. So he like, he quite likes, he quite likes dressing a little bit provocatively and like slightly flamboyant clothing and stuff. And then he's taken that quite far in yeah. some instances, you know, and uh, yeah, I think that he's someone who takes things quite far. I think that's fair. I bet, do, do Norwegian fans kind of view him in that same way? That he's he's this pretty unusual character and quite extreme. Yeah, probably. I, I think that's right. I think the, the interesting contrast is between him and Martin Odegaard, right? Who is an incredibly sensible boy, who's like eloquent. And like, if we play that game, like, what would you be doing if you weren't a footballer? Like, you look at Martin Odegaard and you listen to interviews with him, and he'd probably like a small town mayor or something, something <laughs> like an MP or something. Like, he's a very, very charming and, and eloquent and, and sensible uh, guy. Whereas Ali Holland is, is slightly different, right? He's uh, uh, yeah, he, he's slightly different. I heard that Erling Haaland, at the age of five, he held the world record for standing long jump for, for his age. Yeah, group. <laughs> so I just the only the only sort of I haven't included that just because I don't know how scientifically the standing long jump is measured <laughs> yeah, across the for, world for the under fives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those records I'm a little bit suspicious of. Like, I'm not suspicious of the fact that he had a mighty leap on him, and that's yeah, something yeah. I've heard from one of his one point uh, six three meters. Yeah, I've heard that from one of his teachers as well that he had like an absurd physical one point six three meters at the age of five. Yeah, I mean one point six. It doesn't sound bouncy it doesn't boy. Sound I mean, huge, it doesn't, it doesn't, at, at five, that's yeah, like, that sounds it's like pr- pretty, yeah. pretty far. I, I'm a little bit distrustful of the record keeping to do with those <laughs> records. Uh, I have to say, but. Record keepings I'm not distrustful of is the local athletics club, local, Edwina, but still. On their website to this day, you can go and check like historical records for various age groups at various like running distances and jumping and stuff. And it's really fascinating because a, a number of those records, local records, were set by Alan Holland's mother in the mm. 80s, but then some were set by his grandmother in the 60s. Okay. <laughs> wow. So his uh, grandmother was also uh, quite the physical specimen, apparently, uh, in Sporting her day. Sporting dynasty. Yeah, and of course, his great uncle on the mother's side is, is Gabriel Heilan, who's uh, 
the big, the greatest player in the local team's history, uh, who was a sort of um, a, a sort of a slick number ten with an eye for goal, like a sort of Kevin Keegle, like <laughs> Kevin Keegle, Glenn Hoddle type. If Glenn Hoddle also worked on the family farm, um, <laughs> uh, also by the way, Gabriel Holland, a passionate Burnley supporter oh, really? uh, to this day, big into the Clarets uh, oh, for yeah. reasons that are a little bit. Yeah, hard to explain. So yeah, there's a huge sporting pedigree in his family, both from the mother and the father, father and the mother side. And Holland, so he joined Bruno. That was his first team when he was five, I think. Well, right? I mean, it's it's the only team in the town. So if yeah. you play football, that's where you'll play. So the same as me. Like I don't, I played there as a boy, and I don't remember mm. when I started because you start going to the football as well, as soon as they'll let you. Basically, that's yeah. kind of how it goes. So he was there. He was there up until he was sixteen, I think. Mm. And my impression of his youth is that he had kind of a one-track mind it was just football 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 but then I mean there were also he did indulge himself in some other some other creative outlets at the age of 16 Harland adopted this like gangster alias <laughs> Ling um, and he formed mm. a, a rap collective with um, a couple of his friends from the, the Norway under 18 team yeah. and they they released this song on YouTube called Kaigo Joe, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's got 11, 11 million views. Yeah. Which, and they've um, got a lot of subs as well with the one video. They yeah, put know, out there, like yeah, yeah, thousands, yeah. tens of thousands of subs that Everyone's, are waiting I, desperately for the next uh, beat to drop. From I, the went there, Kings. I, I went on their page and they, they subscribed to one other channel and oh, it's a Norwegian girl from their town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> the fit girl from the year above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what are they called? Yeah. Flow Kings. Flow Kings, Flow Kings yeah. Flow Kings, at the end of Yeah, so I, of course. So from memory, um, and it'll be in the book. Um, I think they actually did this when they were away with the under-18s. I think they were actually in Poland or someplace like this on an international camp. And they were probably a little bit bored in the hotel. And I would imagine it's how it came to being. Because on the end, like a playground. I mean, let's, let's watch yeah. it and play it for the benefit of listeners. <laughs> For the benefit of listeners, they're in a sort of local park sitting mm. on some children's slides, sort of. Uh, and Harland appears in a little sort of like doll's house through the window, <laughs> rapping slash singing. I think that's what we yeah. know. Yeah, I even look good when I'm eating is one of the lines which oh, really? I think really? is a good sort of big yourself up it's also very so. true of yeah, Erling Haaland yeah, yeah, yeah. even <laughs> when eating he looks good you, you'll probably be able to tell us a bit more of a, an accurate translation but the translation I found online was uh, there's one one verse from, from Eric Botheim mm-hmm. who's a uh, very good striker yeah he plays for Salernitana mm-hmm. I think in Serie A mm-hmm. now and he uh, his, his, his bars are I'll wrap it for you I've been making a song and I earned a thousand millions by the way I've also been buying a gas grill. If you were wondering, I've also been to the store. I have been shopping a lot because I have a lot of cash. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... Yeah. Sort of Norwegian suburban dreams yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like playing into that the... that gas grill up in yeah, here. Yeah. Classic rap mm, bravado. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Rapping about his, his cash, yeah. rapping about his barbecue. And then, uh, and then Harlan comes in kind of with the verse. His lines are, Boys, can you stop talking bullshit? Now it did get so cosy. Talk about world crisis. I think it's much more important. Mm. So my, 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 my takeaway from this is that, you know, they're, they're doing all their, their rap bravado stuff, but Harland really just wants their 
musical expression to to tackle some of the, the some bigger more, problems. Some of the more the, pressing issues, you, yeah. The climate Eric crisis. Bortem's Gaskrill is not one of them, is <laughs> Exactly. Not yet. We need to talk about the, the steady erosion of democratic institutions yeah, and yeah. The, the Middle East peace that. process. I didn't about that. I knew about this thing before he was mega famous. I'd seen the video. I was completely expecting him to take him down at some point. Like when you start becoming a global phenomenon, you, this is a bit cringe. You don't want that out there. I think it's massively to his credit that he hasn't. That he's just this is funny. I do like that about him. I find that very appealing about him. Is that he's not like he's not he's not someone who's ever going to apologize for for being who he is yeah. and, and 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 doing the things he'd like to do. I think that's something that's very very appealing with him as a character. Yeah, I th- you can see people love that like stroppy charisma he has. That he's just he does stroppy charisma is a great phrase for it. Yeah, thanks. I'm sorry. I should have had that in the book somewhere. <laughs> stroppy charisma. Do it for the paperback. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but he obviously this, is this the only rap record? The Flow Kings reunion, I think, hopefully will happen at some point. I mean, yeah. that, that's what the world is crying out for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Harlan's prowess on the mic did. <laughs> make him a hit with the local ladies back in Bruna. Um, he actually, he dumped his first girlfriend when she complained that he didn't see her enough. So there was a, a quote from him later. Uh, he, he said, one day she asked me to choose between her and football. I sometimes miss her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was very focused and this is, uh, this is me playing the straight man here again, as is, I think is bound to happen on this pod, but it, he was, that is what everyone says that you speak to who knew him when he was young about how you get a lot of 12 year old kids who say they're going to be footballers, mm. but there was something behind it with him in terms, there was a different sort of determination. There was, you know, he, some people, a lot of 12 year olds want to be footballers. This 12 year old knew he was going to be a footballer and, yeah. and, and was prepared to do like, you can joke about the girlfriend and stuff, but he was mm. prepared to also make the sacrifices in terms of putting in the time and something Alfie has talked about not really needing to push him ever. Like if, if anything, you had to, you had to be a little bit hands off and yeah, cause he, he was very, very driven and, and, and yeah, self-motivated, I suppose. Yeah. And what, so that's interesting. Cause I, when I, I, heard Zach tell that story about breaking up with his girlfriend I thought of Tiger Woods we did a pod on him recently and there's this awful letter Tiger Woods sent to dump a girlfriend when he was about 18 saying I never want to hear from you again me or my parents and and Tiger Woods obviously another guy who from the age of five had decided he was going to be a prodigy but the big difference is that was really pushed into him by his parents Mm. Where does Erling Haaland get it from if it's not from Alfie or his family like how can a child be that determined that's an interesting one. I do wonder if it's sometimes it's not what the parents push into kids. Sometimes the kids just grow up in the surrounding and look around and think, I want to be that. Because he did grow up with, I mean, he's, he was very young when his father had the injury. So I'm sure he would have seen his father play much, but he will have seen the environment that he was part of and he will have been taken to a lot of football games and he will have met a lot of footballers. And it was, you know, that, that mm-hmm. was kind of the scene he, he, in the first years of his life, certainly he will have been very familiar with. So he plays for Bruno until, until 16. Yeah. Um, he just about has uh, about half a season where he's involved with the senior team. But at that point, the team was falling apart and about to get relegated from the second tier. And he was coming in as a scrawny. So hadn't, his body hadn't filled out yet. So he was quite scrawny. He was lanky, lanky I'd say. Mm. Quick and lanky, but didn't have a, the physique that we know now. Coming into a team that's completely falling apart. And he wasn't played up front. He was played as a winger quite a lot. 
and really he didn't make much of an impact because that was those difficult working circumstances. But he was scoring an absolute pile of goals for the goals for the second team and starting to get noticed from with the Norwegian youth internationals. So, you know, in agents were sorry, I mean, there will have been interests and he had a few options. And the, and we get to what is a recurring theme in his career is that he until he goes to City, of course, but then you're in a different strata. But his first three transfers, every single time he could have gone to a bigger club for more money. Mm. Uh, but they picked the club that him and his father and later his team, I guess, but him and his father in particular felt was the right thing for his development. Mm. They've had a laser focus on that. And in this case, that was Molde on the northwest coast of, of Norway. Molde have a proven track record of of taking, bringing talented sort of 19, 20, 21, even younger kids to their club developing them and, and helping them get a career abroad. Yeah, it's, it's a weird Jude Bellingham parallel of this, like, mm. amazing, competent team mm, built around yourself, sure. your for father, sure. really mature, and then, like, there seems to be a bit of a strategy about how how your career progresses. I, like, that didn't exist in football 10 years ago at all, no. did it? And I think they've done well, uh, what we now refer to as Team Holland, in, in, in keeping it very close, uh, with not having too many people involved and having people who, mostly people his, his father knew already. So what happens at Mulder? So it, does he start strongly? Well, this is where he grows like an absolute maniac, which is like me, uh, so I, again... I can't. I knew about him from a, from a while because my father was obsessed with the idea. My father's a big Bruyne fan, and he was obsessed with the idea that, like, when Alfie's kids grow up, like the team will rise again. Uh, <laughs> sadly, he left before. I, mean, I think I got to. My father gets some credit for predicting the rise yeah. of Alan Holland basically before he was born. Uh, but um, <laughs> he grows. He became so much bigger. Like he he just had a mad growth spurt up at Mulder. Uh, and to the point where he'd come back to Bruyne to visit, people would be like, what on earth has happened to you? Uh, he was growing so much. He doesn't play a lot in the first year at Mulder, but he does eventually get involved. And there is one game which is kind of worth bringing up as a big turning point, which is the summer of 2018, um, from memory, when they play Bonn. And Alling Holland had an absolutely terrible week in training like nothing goes in in shooting practice everything's bad <laughs> and then Holland scores I think he's three goals in 23 minutes or something like he just goes completely berserk in the first half and and and, and ends up um yeah ends up scoring four goals and it's, it's just has the sort of big breakthrough game out of nothing really and, and, and you got to credit Solskjaer. I think Solskjaer has a bit of a mixed legacy as a manager in this country now. Mm. But in that particular instance, like he always saw something in, in Erling and he was completely sure that this was the thing. And uh, and after that game, the goals started flowing and he outgrew Norway very, very quickly. One question I had is, was he a, a City fan growing up? Because I've seen this this uh, picture of him at the League Cup final, I think it was against Sunderland when he was 13 and he's sitting there with his dad looking really sweet and excited to be there and apparently he was also in this uh, Facebook group for Norwegian City fans which he left because people kept on asking him when he was joining yeah well, um, but- <laughs> <laughs> well I think that's only natural because Holland was at so had just well he this summer he was born is when Holland went to, to City mm. so he kind of took his first step in a Manchester City household now I think what Alfie's always said is that he's you know, he's a fan of the clubs his dad's played for. You know, you keep mm. you keep an eye on, on, on City and you keep an eye on Leeds and keep an eye on Nottingham Forest even. I do remember some hopeful Leeds fans 
um, speculating <laughs> that he might end up there as well. He did say once that he wanted to win the Premier League with Leeds, that yeah, that was one yeah. of his like ambitions. Maybe so it was the old he when knows. he was young, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's something that like, I think, yeah, the whole concept of fandom becomes incredibly mm. different when mm. it's your livelihood and when it's, yeah, yeah, so I think he has an attachment to all the clubs his father played for. Mm. And to Brina, of course. Yeah, of course. Where he will one day return <laughs> yeah. and, and bring us to glory <laughs> at the age of 45 or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll take anything as long as he can still walk. He's got rap records to if make. He can as still well. walk. He can go to Brina and do, be a rap artist and, and yeah. get us back to the top tier of Norwegian football. I love it. <laughs> He does at this point nearly end up in the Premier League, or at least there are mm. there moves. So uh, I was interested to learn that Solskjaer was hawking him out to Premier League clubs. He he tries to persuade United, and they're not. So Solskjaer says, yeah, but I, I, with these players, there's always a ton of these stories because the reality about of the football industry is that players are offered around all the time, mm. and discussions happen all the time. So you know, Lewandowski could have gone to Blackburn, like all these yeah. sort of things. Apparently, Everton had a deal agreed, and then the board vetoed they it. Four million. They, they say so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't, I'm not convinced they would have done it. I think, I think the fact that they end up going to RB Salzburg, which is such a clear sort of a good place, he'll get to play, he'll get to develop. Mm. I'm not convinced they would have uh, been tempted by players, by teams where he would have been nowhere near the first team. Yeah. Everton splashed out 40 mil on Gilfie Sigerson instead that summer. Yeah. Went, went a different route. It did. And, and Harlan. <laughs> 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 Producer Sammy is going, oh, that's going to be an edit. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more on that one. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Salzburg is where we start to see these post-match interviews that are, I mean, I absolutely love them. They're infamous, but they're painfully (laughs) awkward where an interviewer will ask a really long question and Erling will just reply with a one-word response and a raised eyebrow. After the final whistle, you and the whole teammates, you were going to the south stand, the famous yellow wall, which was empty today, of course. Uh, Why did you do that? Uh, Why not? Is it the kind of message you want to send out? Yes. Would you tell us a message? To my fans. To they're our very, fans. They're everything for you and for Borussia Dortmund. It is. 
Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure to talk to you. you. I, I spoke to the interviewer who did that and uh, did that infamous interview. He's a German uh, gentleman who said he knew that Holland had a reputation for giving yes or no answer. If you give an, an opening, if you ask a question that has a yes or no answer, he might just say yes or no just to mess with you. So he he asked him. He made sure he didn't do that. He he asked like he had like why. Yeah, asked him a why question. Yeah. But then Aling Holland turned around and said, uh, "Why not?" <laughs> yeah. like, and he raises his eyebrow. I love. Yeah. It. yeah, this is exactly the thing I wanted to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> it's bamboozled by there the was, boy. There was another one I saw where the interviewer was kind of described one of his goals back to him and was sort of like, "So, so was this was this an amazing feeling?" Yeah, da da da. And it's like, and he just replies. Yes, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then the and then the interviewer is like, "Do you mind putting that into your own words? Like, we we need. I'm like a print journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to type this out. I can't just have done yes." And he's just like, "You said it already." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this like, is the thing. He doesn't. He has no appreciation for the hard job of print journalists. Yeah. We, need, we need a sentence that makes sense in some kind of context. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's not his job to let everyone show or see what kind of person he is, and he shouldn't have to if he doesn't want to. But it's nice for a lot of fans who look up to him and are inspired by him to see what more, 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 more kind of person he is. He also, on a, I think it's the same interview again on Arrival in RV Salzburg, he mentions that he's into biohacking. What, yeah, what actually, is- that was just before he left. He, he, he received a sort of Young Player of the Air award in Norway and did a big interview where he speaks actually quite a lot. And he says, yeah, as, as, a, as a teenager, he's into biohacking. He's very curious about what he can do to perfect his body. Uh, and... Um, when he started being involved with the national team, which was one year later, so he'll have been 19, I, I spoke to the assistant manager at the time who said like, he was already like wearing goggles in the evening <laughs> like to sort of keep the blue light out yeah, because he creep. thought that could affect yeah. his, speech, his sleep and stuff, which is kind of not normal teenage behavior, I don't think. Uh, so so he's, he's definitely very like, interested in, in, in finding the marginal gains and yeah. sort of, yeah, d- doing all these little things that you can do off the pitch to become a little bit better on the pitch. Yeah. I, I've got this, this mate who's does the more sort of radical, you know, he's like ordering research chemicals off the internet and injecting them into his cock and like trading Bitcoin. <laughs> that seems like too much. And I, I kind of think, we talked earlier about like, what would Haaland be like if he wasn't a footballer? And I kind of wonder like, would he... Would he be injecting things into his cock? <laughs> would, he gone, would he have still had those personality traits, but without the like ambition, do you go down a pretty I mean, weird I would hope route? Not, because that would be, that would be like kind of bad, I think, if you're sort of, uh, what are you, what are you perfecting? Don't for? try this at home. I, yeah. This, this kind of gets at a, like, you'll definitely reject this but I, <laughs> okay. I've had this this image of him when it's when you're basically building an image of someone's personality based off social media clips. That he's like at this weird junction of kind of cyborg who's ultra professional and and well drilled, kind of guru. You know, this guy who's who meditates and is into you know slightly um, unorthodox health approaches, and then sulky teenage boy almost. Almost a bit like I don't want to say incelly, but sort of like forum dwelling, four chani Reddit. I mean, is that a totally unfair description of the cocktail of ingredients? Yes, I think it's I think it's unfair in the sense that again, the people you speak to who know him kind of reject this Terminator thing and say yeah. he's surprisingly human and good natured and sweet. And I remember speaking to one guy who played for Bruna back in the day when he was kind of coming through and remembers, you know, young Erling, the thing you remember the most about him was that he would kind of just saunter around the clubhouse like he owned the place and just kind of chat to everyone. Like he would, but he would speak to the the cleaning lady and the CEO in the exact mm-hmm. same tone and, and just kind of see everyone and not really differentiate according to your station in the world and stuff, which I think is a side of him that's 
worth bringing forward, you know, yeah. and not sort of because I, I get why the public persona is very much the the, the cyborg incel, as you say. <laughs> but 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 again, my impression from speaking to a lot of people in his orbit is that this is not really who he is at all, and that yeah. he's more actually surprisingly human and surprisingly normal in a lot of ways. Puncture my dreams of him injecting research chemicals. <laughs> his no, cock nothing being injected into the penis, as far as I'm aware. Anyway, back back so back in reality, or I guess Salzburg. So he joins, it's 2019. Mm. He starts quite slowly, doesn't he? Yeah, takes first half season, he's not involved a lot. They had a few strikers in the team already. He's kind of finding his feet. There was an injury there as well, as I recall. So he actually comes into that summer a little bit frustrated, I think, uh, which is when the infamous game against Honduras happens uh, at the Under-20 World Cup, where he'd not had a great couple of months, really, or maybe not quite had the liftoff he was hoping for, and then doesn't play well in the first game in that tournament. And then poor old Honduras is put in front of him when he's quite frustrated and has a point to prove. And, and the, the rest is well-documented history, as you say. It's Holland again! Oh, nice goal! I mean, he just went mad. And, and it's, it was one of those wins that was so um, dominant that they, they, it triggered like a match-fixing investigation. Well, it was 12-0, like, right? It was, it and was, he scored nine? He scored nine against, uh, yeah. Uh, he's got nine against poor old Honduras and in what ended up being a 12 nil win. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and it is kind of funny, but the, but Honduras are not a terrible team. Like they have a bit of pedigree. Mm. They're not like that. There are worse teams out there, but they just kind of gave up completely. Mm. Whereas Holland was, and, and it was quite an attack minded Norway team anyway. And I, I just kind of think in the years that have followed that he's, as he's been breaking records, I swear to God, there are probably like in, in bars around Honduras, there's a bunch of like, former youth international footballers going, see, it's not that easy. God damn. This guy's very good. Yeah, that poor keeper. It's not just our fault. Uh, and and that, that does that kind of kickstart things? Because the next season... Maybe a little bit, because the other thing that happens is that Jesse Marsh is appointed at mm. Salzburg that summer. And that seems to have been a real meeting of the minds as well. Like Jesse Marsh is very sort of American, sort of positive, but very focused on winning. And, and yeah, all the jokes people can make about him if they want to. But I quite like Jesse Marsh, actually. Same. Um, I think his mentality was very much the right thing for Holland at the time. And he puts him into the team and he just starts scoring goals like an absolute maniac uh, that autumn. And you get the sort of the Champions League debut. And we, we all remember this now, I think. And the second he was in the team and it, it was clear this guy should not be in Australia yeah. <laughs> already. Like there's no, there's no point him being there for too long. Yeah, I think it says in your book that um, witnesses said he looked crazed and manic. Before the <laughs> yeah, game. well, that was yeah, that was the, the Champions League debut. And, the, and was, the night before, he was driving around Salzburg playing the Champions League. That was the beginning of car. that particular legend. Yeah, the, <laughs> the team captain was out uh, walking with his uh, daughter, and uh, Alan Holland came by in his car and rolled down the window, and the Champions League anthem was ringing out. That was the night before his Champions League yeah. debut. That. He was hyped. He Maybe was ready his to phone go. Alarm was just going off well, I think it, was, it might have actually been um, his international teammate Sandabaga who's now at Burnley who was mm. at Genk at the time who was the poor uh, opponents mm. in that game who said that he just looks like a maniac in the tunnel <laughs> like and the players mm. were worried yeah. but he'd actually been talking him down to his teammates because already the, the, the legend of Holland oh, yeah. was starting to spread at this point mm. and he was like no you know I was with him at the national team he wasn't that good like don't worry he'll be fine and then yeah it, it wasn't fine yeah. <laughs> it wasn't fine he, at all he scores a hat trick mm. in the first First and, half. And completely loses his mind as well. It's really yeah. funny. Like it doesn't Sandberger complain that Haaland's celebrating he does, yeah, too. He, he, makes, he does say later, again, it's, it's in the VFL documentary, which is very good uh, credit where it's due, uh, that, you know, he, he 
He did. It was remarked on, like how much he celebrated and made a big deal out of everything. You know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's your a first... little bit provocative to the opponents. Well, it's your Champions League debut, and you've scored a hat trick in the first half. Do you, what you, you can want. tell is yeah. him and Erdogan, his international teammates, have a lot of affection for him, but like find him slightly annoying sometimes, <laughs> like because he does like take everything up to eleven uh, on yeah, occasion. Yeah. So th- I mean, this this Champions League streak, he scores against Liverpool as a substitute a couple of weeks later, mm. and at this point everyone knows the secret's out that there's this mega star in the making. It was that January, I think, that he signed for, for Dortmund. And, um, Again, with at this point, really everyone in Europe were into him. Yeah. But like 16 goals and 14 starts in uh, in the Austrian Bundesliga that autumn. It's like, mm. there's no really no much point him being there. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. need to move on here. There were, quite, and, there were a lot of other teams who were interested mm. though, like RB, RB Leipzig, I think, which would have made yeah. sense because of their connection to Salzburg. I, I, I gotta admit, I kind of thought they'd go there. Yeah. Uh, but I think that the thing, again, with, in his own words, we don't need to speculate or analyze. We can just listen to what he says. I mean, he says he liked the fact that Dortmund were, were very direct and just said, Look, we don't have a striker. We need you. Yeah. Mm. Like, there is a place for you here in this team. The exact thing that you have, the dynamism, like, we, we need you. You're the right. And, and that sort of, and yeah, cool. Okay. And like, Marco Reus and then Jaden Sancho. And uh, there's a lot of creative guys. So if, but they were lacking a number nine and like poor Lucien Favre was playing weird dudes as like false nines and it wasn't really mm. working. And he just came into the team at a time where they had a lot of quality in attack, but they needed someone to knock the goal in and, and along comes Holland. And it was just, it was just a perfect situation for him. Uh, and, uh, and it's a real shame in hindsight that lockdown happens when it does, because Holland has talked about this a lot. He was super hyped and excited to be playing like in front of the yellow wall, in front of the atmosphere at Dortmund. You know, when you move to a new place, okay, footballers can't live the way they used to. Like they can't go out and party and stuff. Like they don't do that these days. Mm. But you still want to like get to know the local area and get to know people and have some kind of normal young person experiences to some extent, to the extent that you can. And you can't because you're stuck inside because there's a fucking pandemic on. He does. He does manage to have one typical teenage experience in. The, I think it's the summer of 2020, so maybe lockdown lifted slightly. And um, this video emerges of him being dragged out of a nightclub yeah. in, in Oslo by these two Norwegian so this, bouncers. <laughs> yeah, and that was a little bit misconstrued. I mean, that's an example I think of him learning that he can't live his life in even vaguely normally anymore because from memory and from speaking to people, I'm not sure this was ever officially confirmed, but what I've been told happened was basically he'd organized, he, he was meeting up with old friends, basically he was home, he was meeting up with some old friends and he'd organized it so that they would kind of be sat separately because it was all social distancing and oh, stuff. Right, yeah. And, but he was already too famous for that to work. So rumors started spreading that he was at this uh, proper nightclub, almost more of a bar. I've been there many times. Uh, and and people started crowding. And of course, that's what everyone was trying to avoid. And it became a little bit chaotic. And there was apparently like a Swedish bouncer who was not a football guy who didn't know that this guy was famous. He just kind of noticed that this, this guy seems to be the source of all our problems here. <laughs> uh, and basically kind of dragged him out, uh, which didn't help, obviously, because there was crowding happening. So yeah. it was basically it was one of the bouncers who completely misread the situation and made everything a lot worse. Mm. And he was not like, he he comes across as I think people make jokes about like Scandinavian people on holiday and stuff, but he, he wasn't like massively pissed or anything. It was yeah, just he was yeah. a bit annoyed with how things were going. It yeah. did it did spawn one of my my favorite tweets from uh, Clive Martin, a writer, who said, um, 
kind of similar to what you've just said. Harland has exactly the same vibe as the thousands of Scandi teenage boys I've met on my travels. The ones who lean into your ear and bellow, the girls in here are fucking crazy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I don't remember going on holiday with Clive, but apparently apparently that's something that happened uh, when I was younger. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that is a recognisable yeah. type of guy yeah, you yeah, yeah. travels. But it was, I think, a moment, one of many moments, I'm sure, where he will have realised that actually my life is not normal anymore. And I even even if you have like a separate area of the bar, you can't meet old friends out on town anymore. It just isn't possible. So the Champions League has always been mm-hmm. his obsession, really. And with Dortmund, he's finally at a club that can have a, have a chance of going deeper in the competition. And in his first season there, um, they're drawn against PSG in the last 16 yeah. game that you mentioned a little bit earlier. The first leg he scores twice and he does this uh, Lotus celebration. Because we then, we didn't mention this earlier with the, with the, the biohacking and the stuff. He got really into meditation at some mm, point and realized yeah. because, because as what I've talked about earlier, he has this need to relax and switch off and meditation is obviously very good for that. Mm. But that's a, that celebration seems to kind of, rile up PSG a apparently bit. so and apparently so I don't really I don't really understand why but before the uh, the return leg in Paris this fake Snapchat post uh, goes round a picture of Harlan looking quite grumpy with the caption Paris my city not yours yeah. and it, it, it wasn't him it was, no, it, was it was a fake picture but very obviously fake yeah, yeah but the uh, the PSG players fall for it hook line and sinker and in the second leg they win 2-0 so they knock knock Dortmund out and Neymar does the he does Haaland's lotus position celebration and then at full time all the PSG players go back out onto the pitch and all sit in a line doing doing that same celebration which I don't know it's just it's just so so PSG I I think it's hilarious I think it's deeply funny and a huge compliment to Haaland there was some more I mean obviously there's always going to be a bit of friction, I think, between a club like Dortmund and a club like PSG because mm-hmm. they're so like philosophically different uh, in terms of how they operate. Um, and in the first leg, the Dortmund players had been a little bit rough on Neymar, who was kind of not fully fit, as I recall, and they'd kicked him around a little bit. And after the game, Dortmund social media kind of went slightly mad about how we don't we don't buy stars, we create them, and all this sort of stuff. Mate, you, you did just sign Holland like a couple of weeks ago, but fair enough. I do know what you're aiming for here, but like settle down. Uh, but, but yeah, so there was quite a bit of aggro lurking behind the scenes going into the return leg, which was again played behind closed doors because the pandemic was starting to happen. It's a weird occasion where mm. there was almost no atmosphere, but a lot of tension at the same yeah. time. Very grumpy game. Mm. And, um, and and I just think it's wild in hindsight, given that this was one of, actually one of, embarrassingly, one of PSG's first notable triumphs in Europe. Because in terms of like winning the Champions League, of course, that project's been a total failure. Mm. Uh, they've been dominating the French League, but it's hard not to with the money they spend. And in the Champions League, they always bottle it hilariously. Yeah. And this was one of their first sort of landmark wins in the tournament in a knockout game. And the players, like, first reaction is to like to troll a 19-year-old who was playing in Austria a couple of weeks ago. Like, what is happening? Yeah, I, like, was what, embarrassing what is going them. on? Like, this is, I, mean, I would point to this as a case in point as to why these dumbasses never win anything. Yeah. incredibly I mean they've broken up most of that squad now anyway so I mean their failure was complete and Mm. no redemption for them I actually want to shoot in you guys have done a great job finding all the little odd and funny (laughs) Aling Holland is an odd man moments 
but you have missed one. You've missed a very good one, I think. Go on. Which is, um, and I believe this was it during lockdown. It was only it came out in Gen. Actually, January twenty first, two thousand and twenty one. Uh, Borussia Dortmund did a series of exercise videos. Mm. You've seen it. Very good. Uh, They did a series of exercise videos in which they paired some of their players with um, very fetching sort of Instagram influencer model ladies. And there is an eight-minute video in which a fitness model basically teaches Ali Hall on how to do stretching exercises. (laughs) And it's unbelievably good. It's so good because he's still a little bit awkward. So you have a fast car and you enjoy the Ottoman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's okay and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good in uh, it's good with autobahn in, in in Germany. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, for us Germans, it's so normal to drive fast on the autobahn. There's a lot going but on. I, I recommend it just for a good intro into important stretching exercises mm-hmm. and also you know. <laughs> Yeah, other things. So Lars is showing me a particularly good bit of the stretching video. <laughs> His favourite bit. <laughs> What's that position I have many called? Bits that in is video. called a an up upward dog, isn't mm. it? That they're doing. Yeah, but I actually think watching this video is a good sort of basic stretching exercises, and you can also watch Alling Hall and be magnificently awkward around this woman. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and that's it. He's off. Man City win the race. So there were a few things here. It's an obvious. There's an obvious spot for him in the team. You're playing under an epoch-defining manager. You're playing for the team your father was at when you just when you were very when you were a baby, and it's a, like a fun sort of young group with like Jack Grealish and Phil Foden, and like mm. it's probably a kind of fun group to be a part of. You yeah. would imagine it's just ticking an awful lot of boxes for him yeah. at the end of the day. And he is he's like a breath of fresh air when he arrives, isn't he, Zach? Yeah. I, <laughs> One of my favourite pictures of Erling Haaland is a, a few weeks after he joined, he was pictured in in a big Sainsbury somewhere in <laughs> Manchester with yeah. with his with his dad, I think, and a big trolley filled with it. It basically looked like a first week of uni kind of job. It's like yeah. your, par- your parents yeah, had yeah. just dropped you off at halls, and now you're going to milk them for a <laughs> for a fridge full of food. He's got yeah. in his in his trolley. There's like a, there's a jumbo bottle of ketchup. There's a, a seven pound bin loads of toilet paper. You're always expecting there to be like a packet of condoms, um, a bottle of economy vodka and a few frozen pizzas. Well, I mean, who's to, say there, who's to say there wasn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wholesomeness of like his father making him the lasagna that he eats mm-hmm. and then scores goals. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he is someone who's, again, I, I think that's part of why he's such an appealing character aside from all the goals and his ferocious looks and all of this is that he's so unapologetically himself. And mm. I, I think characters like that, there is something authentic there still. Yeah. It's a little bit more media managed now than it was. Um, he's, he's not putting up like quite as many tractor shots on the Instagram anymore. And it's, it's a little bit more glossy now, but I still, he's someone who's still very true to, to himself. There's another, another clip where you kind of get a sense of his personality from the Man City documentary mm-hmm. where Harlan's introduced to the the dinner ladies. Yeah, that's very sweet. Um, and he he goes up to them and he says, You should be my favourite people. <laughs> Which I don't know, there's something he's 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 really friendly and um I think he's trying he's trying to be nice, but there's something slightly like threatening about it you should be yeah, my you should be but this, but this is also I haven't actually mentioned yet it's one of my favourite chapters in the book uh, is I, I went to see the uh, the club chef the dinner lady at Molde who, who now lives in the mountains in Norway um, who was very important feeding him during his big growth spurt was she feeding him anything weird because he's, he's quite into awful isn't he no so that's an, that's an interesting one that came a little bit later I don't 
I wonder if that's been, again, I hate them doing the wet blanket thing again. I think the awful thing has been slightly over-egged. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he eats, he's interesting because he is very interesting in what's good nourishment and perfecting mm. his body. But he also, like, he likes pasta. Mm. Enjoys, enjoys the lasagna. Yeah, you uh, can't eat the, liver and heart every day. He yeah. did He did post a picture earlier this year, I think, of mm. a, a plate of, like, cooked hearts and liver. No, but that's, that that's looks, good stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It just looked, looked to me like something Hannibal Lecter would eat. <laughs> But I'm sure it's. You know, you not had chicken hearts ever. <laughs> I have actually once. Yeah, yeah they were they were quite good. I, a lot of um, waffles quite nice. Yeah, mm. you just got to know how to cook it. Yeah, it usually yeah. involves a fucking ton of garlic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it from there. It out. <laughs> he also said that his his favorite food is doner kebab pizza right? yeah from from specifically i think from yummy time uh, a fast food <laughs> place in buena he's also a big fan of a fabulous chinese restaurant in buena called wen hua house Ooh. who are sort of who i i used to go there with my dad when i was a kid uh and it's kind of um it's known for being for serving quite basic chinese food actually nothing fancy but just fucking massive portions buffet style huge or? portions absolutely mm. giant portions I, I was there uh, just a couple of months ago and I was back researching the book and I was like god damn it I've forgotten how much food you yeah. get in this place <laughs> but I wish uh, we wish we'd recorded this pod yeah. from there that would have been one a great day, yeah, one day one yeah. day the upshot at the Wenhua eating yeah. like just a giant slab of deep fried pork have you Sounds tried good. have you tried the Dona Kebab pizza that I have not that'll be next time I go home I've had one have you yeah I've, I think yeah. I've had it a few times pretty mm. good it does sound delicious yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to interfere with my diet in a big way. Yeah, like, say, if Erling Haaland's allowed to cheat day, so am I. This is where my similarities with Erling Haaland end, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. We both ate it once. Uh, at Man City as well, like, I think now, maybe just because English viewers are seeing more of him, mm. or Premier League viewers, we start to see him let his hair down again, which yeah. is also a reference to his hair. The, I, one I really enjoyed was during the Champions League game against Bayern, Leon Goretzka complained, the Bayern Munich midfielder Leon Goretzka complained after, Haaland has no respect for for the opponent or for football. He <laughs> farted every time we approached him. <laughs> and there is a little clip. Of, I don't think it's Goretzka, but there's a Bayern player sort of indicating a smell and Harlan kind of holds his stomach. <laughs> it's like a two-second clip. I don't know if he's farting. It's a secret weapon. Yeah. Could be the Donner Kebab pieces probably going, going through. Yeah, I, mean, but, I mean, this is pretty common stuff. Like pinch, pinching the guy who's trying to mark you just as you're planning on making a run. This mm. sort of stuff. Is yeah, not but to enough. fart on demand is impressive. There's a lot of biohacking <laughs> got required. There's a lot of biohacking required. <laughs> maybe, maybe he has a special... That, that's something. That's definitely something I should have explored for the book. Yeah. Does he have a special sort of pre-match diet that enables him to fart more liberally? On demand and repel yeah, yeah. defenders, <laughs> clingy defenders. He also strikes up the friendship with Grealish around this time. So yeah. I didn't realise they live in the same building. Oh, really? But they're on very different schedules. Gre- uh, Grealish... <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, we we just had an Adrian Mutu episode recently and we were saying there's the story of Adrian Mutu would come back from an all-night bender as Scott Parker was leaving for training. Of Mutu course. would come back, hadn't been to bed, and Parker would be like, look, mate, I'll, I'll wait for you. Just go and get changed, have a shower. And I kind of picture similar schedules in operation. I'm not yeah. suggesting Grealish delves into Mutu's activities, but, uh, you know, he's a night owl at times. He says, this is Grealish, he says of Haaland, we have a great friendship, but he'll point to me after a game and say, hey, don't you go out tonight partying? I just tell him to shut up and go sit in his ice bath. <laughs> but that's just us. If he did what I occasionally did, he'd be like, fucking hell, I feel terrible. <laughs> I love that they're friends because they do, yeah. they have different vibes. They do and they don't. I can imagine like socially their vibe is actually quite similar. Yeah. It's just Haaland... You stops at a certain time and stops short of certain things. Because I, I, I do think he's quite, yeah, I do think he likes to have fun, Nally Hall. Yeah. It's just he, he knows when he can and when he can't. He joined that bender after the Champions League oh, final, sure. right? Where they, they like flew to straight to Ibiza and then back to Manchester and then like 
back somewhere else. It was ridiculous. No, I think Ali Holland is a powerhouse in a party situation. It's just that he is yeah. so laser focused on like he can't he can't do it that often. Yeah. Is that is that the Ibiza trip where Lisandro Martinez, the Man United oh, yeah. uh, centre back, happened to be staying in the same hotel yeah. on a break with his wife or girlfriend, and the whole Man City team turn up to celebrate for twenty four hours. Not ideal, is it? <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Jack Grealish just walking through the hotel lobby with a boombox yeah, on his yeah. shoulder. <laughs> You're just on your way to the spa. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a nice little clip of, um, I don't know how well this will translate to the pub, but we'll try. There's the clip of him taking the piss out of John Stones' accent. Yes, you know, they're, yeah, they're the talking Louvre. about the Louvre uh, That's very, Museum very good, in Paris, yeah. and Harlan does his impression going, The Louvre. It's <laughs> <laughs> such, such a good accent. Though. Yeah. Which again goes to, like, he is, he, he I mean, again, I've heard several people who've worked with him describe him as like socially canny. Like he, mm. he, he gets these little things about how, mm. as much as he can seem like an oddball and a cyborg and all these sort of things in some of the stuff that happens in public, every dressing room he's been in, he's been popular and he's gotten on with people and he does seem to like catch these things, which is again, wet blanket Lars hair. Like <laughs> he isn't a total weirdo. He just does weird things occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I think a good one to end on is at the Ballon d'Or ceremony very recently he was asked how do you score so many goals and he replied it's my job <laughs> he's still it's doing big, big Mario Balotelli energy yeah. except yeah. he's kind of backing it up a little bit more than poor big old Mario time. Was big able time. To do, yeah. as a Norwegian are you feeling hopeful about the, the national team now uh, despondent right now mm, mm, yeah <laughs> yeah no, it, it, it's, it's the curse of the small country right because we are a fairly small country and we have some really impressive players now but we just have some positions where we just got nothing mm. uh, and, uh, and and our beloved national team coach Stahl Solbakken who I, I like as a manager he just kind of hasn't been able to find mm. the way of making mm. it work just yet so so I guess our model is we need to be more like Wales I guess we need to find a crew that can kind of not concede too many goals and, and back up our equivalent of Gareth Bale and our Aaron Ramsey, I guess, yeah, in, this, yeah. uh, in this comparison. Be like Wales. Yeah, the big be dreams. more Wales. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's Who, what we who got- is our Hal Robson canoe is what we need to figure out. <laughs> Alex Solot, I'm looking at you, boy. <laughs> all right, I think that's all we got time for. But if you do want to bask further in the stroppy charisma, incredible stroppy drive. Charisma. God damn it. Where was that phrase when I was writing? <laughs> and pioneering biohacking of mm. Erling Haaland. Then do buy Lars's book, Haaland, The Incredible Story of the World's Greatest Striker. It's out now. It's the perfect Christmas present. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Hit subscribe, share it with your friends. Zach, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. And thank you, Lars. Thanks for having me. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.